Hello and welcome to Tips and Tales, Ski Racing Media's official podcast for the week of February 27th, 2019. I am Sean Higgins and I'm joined once again by Ski Racing staff writer Mackenzie Moran. Hey there. On today's show, Mackenzie and I will be discussing the now three, yes, three different podiums from last Saturday's Crowns Montana Women's Downhill and what the latest developments on that situation have been. We'll be recapping the weekend's men's World Cup action in Bansko, Bulgaria, and touching on the conclusion of World Junior Championships this week in Italy. And a little later in the show, we'll be revisiting our discussion from last week about parallel racing, talking a little bit about our likes and dislikes of the discipline and where we see the future of that part of the sport going. All right, Mackenzie. So it was an interesting weekend in Crowns Montana to say the least. Give us a rundown on what went on and what was it like to watch that situation unfold live? Well, yeah, to say that the race was kind of a disaster, I think would be selling it short. Not only were there multiple injuries that had huge race interruptions and um, consequences for the two women who were hurt. There was also a major timing debacle that affected the finishes of four Swiss racers and also caused the podium to change three times total. So the final podium wasn't actually decided until Tuesday where they announced that Nicole Schmidhofer actually finished in second and after she had been knocked off from third originally then moved to fourth which was a huge issue with the Austrian team. Actually, the whole reason why they recounted the times was because the Austrians protested. Since she's currently leading the downhill points and a fourth place would have affected her lead by a significant amount, et cetera, et cetera. Originally, they had made an update to the podium about an hour after the race concluded, and that caused some drama, so... Having to change the podium again three days later is kind of an even bigger blow up for multiple reasons. Unfortunately, the four athletes that were affected by this timing debacle the most all happen to be Swiss athletes. Jasmine Fleury, Joanna Halen, Priska Neufer, and Lara Gooparami. And Joanna Halen actually was supposed to have her first ever podium after Crans Montana. And she was super excited and really jazzed about her her finish and her result. And it's a bummer for her that that had to be taken away a couple days after the fact when originally she couldn't even believe that she landed on the podium. Same with Priska Neufer. She had a career best finish in Crans Montana after the first round of podium results came through. And... After the second round of podium results came through, she got pushed back in the ranks a little bit and lost that honor as well. So I can imagine that it's frustrating for those athletes to think one thing about themselves and how they're skiing and feel proud and excited about what they did and then find out that it was a lie later in the week. It was also pretty ironic that the only four racers that had their times affected were Swiss, considering the Swiss reputation with uh, timeliness and watchmaking. It's also ironic because in the post-race interview that Lara Gutbrami gave, she was talking about how she thought it wasn't fair that they came up with the podium, you know, almost an hour after the race concluded and they had already gone through the whole process of the award ceremony with the original three that were listed as podium winners. But she also said 
it doesn't really matter because the only things that matter to her landing on the podium in a fourth place in her mind doesn't count as a good race. So for her to get knocked off the podium after saying those things in the press conference, that has to be a little bit of a awkward situation to make such a statement and then have to come back from that after not having that many podium finishes this season. But on the plus side for Nicole Schmidhofer, she originally had been told she finished third, then she'd been told that she finished fourth, now she's being told she finished second. That's a big plus for her because she's currently leading the points in the downhill and it was cutting it close when she got knocked off. She's trailed right now by her teammate Ramona Siebenhofer by 90 points and with only two races left, that's a pretty tight run. So I think that's part of the reason why the Austrians pushed getting that timing really dialed in and down to the wire because that would have been a big upset if she had been found out later in the season that those points were not awarded to her when she deserved them. Yeah, absolutely. And only with only a couple women's downhills left, every single points count, point counts. And I think the difference between a 90-point lead and a maybe a 60 or a 50-point lead is absolutely huge when you come down to the end of the season like this. But Sophia Gozier had been the clear winner the entire time, so she had no problems over the past couple of days. No stress. Right. And Fist did release an official statement uh, explaining the issues and uh, offering some sort of explanation for why there have been three different podiums. And the statement reads in part, quote, the reason that the four times were not recorded was a consequence of the setup of the photo cells at the finish, which were mounted too high. After two training days, the snow level was somewhat lower due to the multiple runs and slipping on the course, as well as melting due to the sunlight. Thereafter, the FIST timing working group has confirmed that the manual times were then incorrectly calculated on Saturday, 23rd of February, with the correction factor of 0.13 seconds subtracted from the manual time instead of being added. Swiss timing has since checked the timing tapes and recalculated all the manual times from the race using the correct methodology, which has been checked by four members of the FIST timing working group. Mackenzie, what is your take on that explanation? Do you do, Are you satisfied? Blaming it on snow conditions is a little bit... Of- BS in my mind but I mean snow conditions are changing all the time in all the World Cup races they're dealing with excess snow they're dealing with not enough snow they're dealing with rain and sun and whatnot and that hasn't been a problem the whole season so I think that they're leaving it pretty open-ended and vague for a reason and to be honest we're probably not going to find out what actually happened so we're just going to have to settle for you know, the course workers pushed out too much snow. Yeah, you'd think at a World Cup they would recheck the finish eyes every morning. I mean, that would be my instinct to do if I was in charge of that kind of stuff. But uh, hey, the past is the past, as they say. Looking back on the rest of the weekend, the Italians obviously had a, a, a really strong performance with Goja taking the downhill and Brignoni taking the Alpine combined in the next day. What were your impressions of the rest of the series, non-timing related impressions of the rest of the series? I thought that it was really cool that Federica Brignone was capable of winning her third Alpine combined in Crans Montana, although it's a bummer that the discipline's not actually being contested for a title this season on the women's end because the Alpine combine that was scheduled for Val d'Isere was canceled and then unfortunately was not able to be rescheduled in Val Gardenia. 
So because there are not two races being contested, it is no longer considered not a discipline, but it's not worth a title. Although for some reason, two races make it worth a title, which is another topic that we're going to be discussing on this podcast. But anyway, great for her. I think that she needed that. She's had a season with a lot of ups and downs. She came out really strong after having 45 days off for the summer due to injury. She podiumed in Killington and in Solden and then kind of fell off the horse again and couldn't get back onto the podium until this race. So she recently had a re-injury in Garmish where she was struggling with some swelling and bone bruises that were occurring in her knee that she had originally injured. So being able to come back from that and continue competing and continue working towards that overall those overall points that she's seeking was a good thing for her. Mm-hmm. And talking a little bit about the Americans, Alice Merriweather was the lone American starter. Michaela Schifrin took the weekend off. And the women's speed team has really been decimated over the last couple of years with injuries and retirements. How do you think Alice performed as a, as a lone wolf over the weekend? I don't necessarily think that Alice's performance was affected by her being alone necessarily she finished in a way where how she typically finishes Alice is still super new to the World Cup she had her first downhill points in Lake Louise this year and I think that any top 20 finish is good for her unfortunately she couldn't really hang on to how she performed in the downhill in her slalom run she finished last out of the entire pool of women that actually finished in the alpine combined so she probably wasn't super excited about that but i think she appreciates that the ski team is still rallying around her and traveling with her and helping her finish her season and she's going to keep fighting to do the best that she can and we'll see what happens next year So, Sean, there was also a pretty interesting weekend in Bansko as well. Not as entertaining as the timing issue, but you can talk a little bit about what happened on the men's side of things. Yeah, it was an eventful weekend in Bansko. Not nearly as crazy as what happened in Crowns, Montana, as you said. But um, there were two Crystal Globes that were clinched um, with Alexi Pantero capturing his fifth career Alpine combined title and Marcel Hirscher taking his sixth career GS title. Um, As a a fan of ski racing in general, I really would have liked to see that GS title fight go down to the last race. But I mean, you can't really argue that Marcel Hirscher has been the most dominant giant slalom skier of his generation. And to see him clinch another title so early in the season with two races remaining on the calendar is beyond impressive so I can't really speak ill of that but uh and then Christofferson taking his first World Cup GS win since March of 2015 was really impressive as well following up his gold medal in giant slalom from the world championships earlier this month in Ore was really cool to see I think he's really put so much effort into his giant slalom over the past several years and to have that finally pay off and be on the right side of those hundredths over Hersher was a really big turning point for him in the season I know he's been really frustrated with his performance this year um, in slalom and GS. He's came off of a season where he was on the podium a dozen times and has been on the podium just a couple times this year. So to get those wins and to be working towards 
those globes, which I know are his goal, his career goals, is uh, is really, really good to see. And then in, in the Alpine combined, Trevor Philp winning the slalom run. Canada's Trevor Philp winning the slalom run in the Alpine combined was also incredibly encouraging to see. Trev has shown that he has speed to be competitive in slalom on the World Cup over the last couple of years, and I think a result like that, he finished fifth overall, jumping up from 27th after his Super G portion, could really kind of be that turning point for him in uh, Kranzgogora for the slalom there. So I'll definitely be looking for Trev to make a big jump. And he's also one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. So it's always good to see something, see a result like that. What about Alexi Pontero clinching the Alpine combined title? Yeah, so Pontero's really been the most dominant combined skier over the past five, six years. He's one of those guys that has that rare combination of he has podium speed and slalom, and he's also a top top speed skier if when he is put on the right course and i think the technical nature there's a lot of terrain in bonsko it really played to his advantage and he sat i think in third place after the super g portion of the of the combined and it was really his race to lose going into that slalom run um, and especially with marco schwartz who was leading the standings after his win in vengen last month he actually tore his acl and damaged his meniscus on the last jump of the super g pulled out so that was pretty disappointing to see but it did leave the door wide open for Penero to uh take the race and he delivered um speaking of injuries Ilka Stuech is also out for the rest of the season after her crash in Crans Montana she skied down and was able to get up on her feet but after further examination she tore one of her ligaments in her knee um although the Slovenian press releases haven't necessarily specified exactly which ligament she tore, but it's enough to knock her out for the rest of the season, which is sad to see because she was having a big comeback year after her major injury that set her back for a long time. And she had finally started getting back on the podium, was seeing a couple wins under her belt. So it makes me sad for her that she had to exit when she's so close in the downhill run for the podium for the overall crystal globe and things did to get a little bit complicated in bonsko on saturday with the men's super g having to be canceled with uh, 30 centimeters of snow falling overnight on friday into saturday morning and then fis did announce that there would be no makeup super g so the men have lost a super g and then the canceled giant slalom from garmish will not be made up which was another disappointment. We had Ted Ligeti tweeting again that he wasn't didn't understand how Fist has so much money and can't put on a race. But I think it's important to understand how complicated it is to put on a World Cup and to find an extra venue. The The canceled downhill from Garmisch is being made up in Kvitfjell, Norway, this weekend, and I think that was kind of the logical choice when Garmisch did get canceled. And then when the GS and Garmisch got canceled, everyone thought that Kranzgogora would pick up that race. And due to a number of factors, sponsorship money, Kranzgogora would have to find sponsors to pay for another day of racing, essentially. And I'm not a business guy, but I would think that that's a little more complicated than than many people think. So it is disappointing to see two races get lost on the men's calendar, but with we are coming down to the wire with the season. Finals are be a middle of March, so and there's only so much time in the calendar. So it is disappointing to see, but hey... That's ski racing, where it's an outdoor sport in the wintertime. So what can you do? All right, we will have more discussion after the break. Hey, 
it's Sean again. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about how you might be able to help us out. The single best way to support what we do at Ski Racing Media is through a subscription to Ski Racing Premium. From podcasts and World Cup race coverage to our wildly popular American Downhiller web series, Ski Racing Premium is the engine behind everything we do at Ski Racing Media. It literally keeps the lights on for us. Subscriptions cost $35 per year for unlimited premium content on SkiRacing.com, which includes full-length World Cup race features and many of the pieces you will hear us talking about on this show. If you are interested in supporting what we do, head on over to SkiRacing.com and click the subscribe button. All right, now we'll get you back to the show. All right, so moving on. So the World Junior Championships concluded on Wednesday with the women's downhill. We will be discussing the series in full next week when the team gets back so we can actually get some people in the studio and talk to them about their impressions of the week. But there were a lot of positives from the American side coming out. The U.S. team finished third in the Holdler Cup, which is the team standings from the whole series which was really really encouraging to see river radimus obviously had two gold medals in giant slalom and super g ben ritchie getting a silver in men's slalom who says americans can't race slalom the internet the internet says americans can't race slalom and then the u.s team also won a silver in the team event which was very very cool to see no individual women's medals but there were a number of top 10 finishes on the women's side which is also really encouraging yep keely cashman took fourth and fifth um fifth in the super g and then fourth in the alpine combined after she added her solid slalom skiing into the mix unfortunately the super g for the women had to be canceled so they took the first run of the alpine combined and used that towards the super g title for the women but on the men's side of things it was impressive to not only see river Radimus's two golds which congratulations River but in the slalom when Ben placed second we also had two other Americans in the top 10 Jimmy Krupka finished sixth and Jet Seymour finished 10th unfortunately River skied out during his second run after sitting in 12th I believe his first run so he couldn't quite hang in there but still that was a good showing from the men. Yeah, some really encouraging results from the Americans over the week. And like as we said, we'll be discussing the championships in full next week. So, Sean, revisiting the discussion that we started last week about the parallel, what are we thinking? What do we like about the parallel? What do we not like about the parallel? Thoughts? Yeah, so I want to say first and foremost, I'm a really big fan of, of the parallel format. I think it's a great way to watch ski racing it's over relatively quickly it can be held at night it's really easy to follow for people who don't know much about traditional ski racing but i do think there are some growing pains that fis does need to work through to get it a uh, full-fledged discipline on the world cup because currently there are four different iterations of, of parallel racing on the world cup you have individual parallel slalom individual parallel gs on the men's side city event and team event which all have slight variations to the rules and i think fist needs to make a decision and decide on one format because pick one and yeah, stick with pick it. one and stick with it because i think the way that the i know the women have an individual parallel slalom scheduled every year where it's a uh, a one run qualification in the morning and then the third of the field of 32 knockout is decided with that qualification run um and then the city events which is only an invite only with the top 16 athletes i really think 
that invite only events are should not be counted towards discipline standings as they are now because then it's just not fair to the rest of the field to only invite the top 16 and i think you really need to open the the chance up to everyone in the world cup if you want to be competing for world cup points that go towards a discipline title because those start spots especially for guys and girls trying to break through those world cup points to get into the top 30 are so huge and to get rid of those opportunities is is not doing the sport any favors i think well to speak to that point as well parallel is meant to cater to a different kind of ski racing athlete they don't necessarily want the same superstars winning all of the time and while it's great to see athletes like Michaela Schiffer and coming out on top in parallel slalom the races that she's been competing in are super close and that's what makes them fun to watch when you have athletes that are not included in that top 16 that are not taken into account you have no chances for somebody from the back of the pack to come forward and show what they got during this different kind of style of skiing it puts different pressure on the racers it changes the way that they ski honestly because if you have somebody in your line of sight while you're trying to focus on finishing a course and you're thinking about beating another person rather than in real time beating another person that's competing actively against you on one side rather than focusing on your skiing and doing the best skiing that you possibly can it just changes the game mentally and I think it would be interesting to see what kind of racers would excel in that arena versus just sending the same top 16 women into the mix every single time I mean we've seen in the city events this year the change up in the podium. I mean, Christina Geiger podiumed in last week's city event and she hasn't been on the podium in a few years, which speaks my point. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. Parallel is, it's different enough where you have uh, athletes that really have not made a mark on, on, in the traditional events, really kind of pull through with the podium. I know Germany's Lena Strasser won the Stockholm city event and that really almost came out of nowhere. I think he was a substitution, a last minute substitution for the German team. And he ended up winning the entire event. And, and I think you're, you're absolutely right that if I was, if I was the one making the rules, I would make every parallel, a morning qualification run that seeds the 32 for the knockout stages and then knockout stages. So that being said, what are your thoughts on the current state of World Pro Ski Tour? Yeah, so I want to say again, like I'm a big fan of of different types of racing. And I think in general, the World Pro Ski Tour is a really positive thing. I think they they came on to the scene with a, a one-off event a couple of years ago in Sunday River, and it was really positive. There was prize money, top athletes from really around the world came up to sh- to, to race, and then this season, I have mixed mixed feelings about this season. The fields have been quite small. We're talking under 20 racers for the, the first two stops of the tour. And I really think it, it's a scheduling thing. I think when it comes down to it, World Cup, traditional World Cup racing is still king for, for a lot of these top-level athletes. And they're not going to sacrifice opportunities to either one race World Cup or to qualify to race World Cup through, through the fist circuits to race World Pro Ski Tour. And I think that World Pro Ski Tour is dropping the ball a little bit, scheduling so many races in the middle of the winter because you're you're watering down these fields 
And yes, it's cool to go win prize money, but if you want to look at the long-term sustainability of a circuit like that, you need people to show up. And I don't think it's something, it's not a recipe for success going forward when you have less than 20 people showing up to race every weekend. So I think ideally I would like to see World Pro Ski Tour front load and, and rear, rear load their seasons. So have events before the Noram season starts, talking about maybe November, early December, and then the springtime as well when all these racers are free and can come because they're not going to sacrifice Norams or Europa Cups or World Cups to come race a, a pro tour event, at least right now. But logistically, how realistic is it to put on races in November? When I was working on the story I wrote about Killington and how they prepped that World Cup course, granted it's a World Cup course, but if the World Pro Ski Tour wants to be competitive, they need to be competing on competitive courses, correct? So the prep amount of prep time and the amount of money and the amount of energy and water that has to go into creating a base for a race course and also just for the entire mountain in general to get open is time consuming and hard. And I know if Killington's struggling to not struggling necessarily, but having to put in so much extra work to get their season started prior to Thanksgiving, how realistically would that work for other venues if World Pro Ski Tour wanted to start earlier in the season if that's even possible well i think it really comes down to being really strategic about your scheduling and using venues that will be open that early in the year so it really kind of pigeonholes it to colorado and i think it does speak to the viability of the the parallel event in general in that you don't need a full length course you need a 30 second panel slalom arena and that doesn't require the, the amount of time and resources that it would be to prep a GS Hill, for, for instance. So I think the opportunity is there. I think they need to get a little creative about their scheduling. But all in all, I'm, I'm a big fan of the World Pro Ski Tour, and I really hope that they do find a model that works for them going forward because the sport needs alternative competition like that. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do going forward, but I, do, I am a little cautious about uh, what they got going right now. All right, that is our show for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next Wednesday.